Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point-of-sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events, and leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1-4 through of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast from the LPRC, uh, broadcasting here from uh, Gainesville, a below freezing Gainesville, Florida, again. Um, and we'll go ahead and just roll in here. I'm joined today again, as, as per normal, on our weekly series by our producer, Kevin Tran, um, and then by our co-hosts, Tom Meehan uh, and Tony D'Onofrio. Uh, Tony now appointed the global CEO for retail um, at ProSecure. Um, so we might ask you to just say a sentence or two on that, Tony. Um, but I'll roll in here real quickly on looking at the uh, pandemic since it plays such a critical role in everybody's lives and especially in the area that we're all in, interested in and what we're working to do to protect and make people uh, and places safer. Um, we're looking at uh, more and more research on this loss or change of smell or taste. And evidently each one has different mechanisms uh, clearly, we're not going to go into all that now, but if we lose our smell or our smell ta- uh, changes, excuse me, um, and things either everything smells good or everything smells horrible, um, those are two different mechanisms, maybe even three there. The same thing with our uh, loss or change of taste. And so um, more and more emerging research um, right now about roughly 70% of those that report a loss or change in one or both of those senses, um, about 70% seem typically recover it within a month. Uh, many, of course, a little bit longer, and then some uh, after a year now of knowing about it still have not recovered it, trying to understand why some do and don't, and why some longer than others. Um, <clears throat> and is some of this permanent, uh, like had been discovered before when people were using some of the zinc based products um, for cold uh, reductions, uh, effects reductions and things like that. Um, so more research to come on that. Um, roughly uh, 40 to to, 40 to 50 plus percent of COVID patients report having a change or loss of one or both senses. So um, food for thought there. Uh, one reason that I'm at least uh, in addition to trying to protect other people, trying to protect myself. That's not probably a most desirable trait uh, or effect. Um, Another interesting area of research in every area from mood to mental health um, to physical abilities, uh, and and even in this case to uh, how well our immune systems respond to the SARS-CoV-2 virus and if whether we get the COVID-19 disease or not or how serious it is, a big part of the variance there, or at least a significant part, seems to be played by our gut uh, bacteria, our microbiome. Um, so, uh, you know, more to come on that, but we know that the microbiome, the gut bacteria in particular, uh, have huge effects of it on us. And we know that's why 
you know, when we are hungry or have an upset stomach, why it's so powerful in our brains. It's not uh, limited to our stomach ache. It really, we can tell that there are neurons, obviously, even in our stomach. So, but the idea of having a healthy gut uh, microbiome seems to play a role in so much of our mental and physical health. Um, and so uh, pay attention, I guess, to diets and uh, exercise, um, make sure that we have a very wide variety of a diet um, and so on. Not, I'm not a medical expert, but another area of interest for us. Um, I think going back now, looking at some of the testing, another area of interest is, and this goes back a few months, but there's been a, a couple of new studies, one over in the UK, for example, looking at when we're testing. And again, I get, I get tested again tomorrow as part of my weekly University of Florida uh, testing. We do a written uh, questionnaire every week, and then you can opt in or out depending on your preference, availability, or symptoms to get tested. Um, is the idea of pool testing, particularly with large groups, students, for example, um, where you just test a group of X amount, maybe it's 10, uh, you throw them all in one pot and see if that pool tests positive, it can be more efficient and you can do some random sampling instead of trying to test every single person a lot, which is recommended. Um, maybe you can test, you know, those smaller, the slightly larger, but batches of those individuals. And if you get a positive test, now you go and you do the more complete test and trace with those individuals. So um, just an area of interest in some of the innovative thinking coming out of scientists and physicians all around the world. Um, <clears throat> vaccines, you know, we understand they're probably in the United States and there's a lag in reporting, as, as you can imagine, um, probably at least between 15 and 17 million uh, of us uh, Americans have been uh, vaccinated with at least one dose. Uh, I know here at the UF, again, probably over 30 plus thousand uh, have been vaccinated uh, starting with healthcare and then all faculty and staff over age 65. Um, so we're seeing a, a slow but steady, but every day uh, continued ramp up. And we saw, it looks like with warp speed, an amazing, amazing job of getting uh, vaccines uh, in testing, getting vaccines in manufacturing and doing it all without a lot, a whole lot of, or if any downside risk for the developers and manufacturers of the vaccines. Um, and then massive uh, transport of those vaccines, um, but the administration at the very local level, particularly when you're having to go house to house or to elderly care places, uh, since you can't necessarily with the most vulnerable, the most exposed, they can't go to a central spot and be vaccinated. It's just not part of what they are capable of doing, for example. Um, and so you've got to go to them and very time consuming, not many professionals that are trained to do it. Um, and so you're seeing warp speed evidently included uh, the private sector for a lot of reasons, uh, particularly our drug supermarket, mass merchant chains and so forth um, that, that already know how to do this um, and have a lot of people that can do it, um, moving them up in the queue to start moving now on mass vaccinations in all these areas. So I know in the state of Florida, for example, um, public supermarkets um, was heavily involved from almost from the beginning here, they had a, had already strategized and realized that's going to be a key component, even having uh, employees go to elder care uh, to administer the vaccines to the care workers and to the, the most vulnerable there. Um, so more to come on that, but it looks like each and every day there's more, more and more efficiency lessons learned. 
are recycled and spread in the way that the uh, vaccine development itself. And remember, again, there's always, there's a big difference between vaccines and vaccinations and vaccinations are what's going to help us all get back to some semblance of normalcy here. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the vaccines development, we know there are probably almost, almost a hundred over 90 in, in preclinical that keep moving through mouse models or, um, even or in silico and computer modeling, which is very, very accurate now, um, at least giving a good indicators. Uh, phase one trials, um, 41 vaccines now moved into that category with human clinical trials. 22 have moved into phase two trials, which are larger um, safety and efficacy and dose ranging. And then phase three, uh, 20 vaccines. And then we've got, again, eight with uh, either full or emergency use approval. Um, we know that the J&J, &J, we understand uh, their, their vaccine and the Novavax vaccine, both U.S.-based or U.S.-German, um, are continue through the phase three process um, and have been, the, the beauty also I understand through Operation Warp Speed so far has been this um, very, very close collaboration between the FDA and CDC and independent panels of scientists, vaccination and epidemiology experts throughout the entire phase three trial in a much closer, more rapid way than uh, ever before. So we're hoping that between uh, what we've got with the Moderna and the Pfizer um, BioNTech, and then hopefully with uh, AstraZeneca, Oxford's coming more online or coming online at some point in the United States. And then again, with J&J &J and Novavax, we'll have a nice and uh, a nice suite of offerings um, and with the U.S. committed to buy tens to hundreds of millions of doses of each of them, there should be a, a pretty good abundance um, coming up here in just months. Um, all right, so uh, I think those are the main things uh, on that. We know that the therapies continue, those that block the virus, those that simulate or stimulate the immune response, and then those that are there to help us um, to quell our over-response of our, the over-response of our innate or adaptive immune system. So, um, more to come there. More research on masking does reduce the amount of particles and particularly with some of the adaptation we're seeing now with three mutations uh, or three areas of the United, of the world, including the United States, that are seeing three different um, and consistent uh, mutation uh, or not strains necessarily, but just those that have come out with uh, multiple uh, adaptations on the virus, particularly the spike protein that may make it, and seems to make it much more transmissible. So it's even more important to not get too close to other humans to keep our hands clean. So we're not spreading it that way. Uh, and then of course, um, blocking the droplets that, that carry the virus uh, <clears throat> from one to the other. So um, on the LPRC front, uh, we're preparing, we had another call yesterday in a series of uh, preps for the vaccine call two. This is for those that are transporting retailers uh, that are transporting the vaccine uh, and those that are those that are also and or uh, administering the vaccinations, looking at safety and security and what the role that asset protection, loss prevention, maybe even law enforcement play in those working with the National Association of Chain Drug Stores, NACDS and FMI, uh, the, the, the major supermarket food uh, group. Um, and then, of course, with the retailers working also with Brosnan on open source and other intelligence and ideas, open thinking um, on these calls with the leading 
again, supermarket, drugstore, mass merchant chains, and again, other chains that are not actually, of course, administering the vaccinations, but are transporting the vaccine because they have a lot of uh, skill with transporting high risk, um, and particularly uh, uh, those products that are in need of security um, or higher security. Uh, Innovate, we uh, have had Tyco AI, and then this week, Sensormat, last week, and then this week, Sensormatic AI, putting in uh, their technology servers, getting everything ready uh, for uh, face, facial recognition to open secure points or doors. Um, so touchless, um, two different use cases inside, and then we have multiple use cases outside. Um, the Dell NVIDIA server is now uh, pretty much online for um, training and inference use. Um, we've now got on the operation, or excuse me, on our Project Hazard Net, uh, well over 700, hit, hit almost 800 uh, high-risk video clips that are being curated and annotated as we speak to develop uh, models um, to recognize very aggressive, hazardous in, inside interior in-store behavior. Uh, very excited about that. Um, we also have Everseen um, and ADTC, uh, their ADT commercial working on uh, artificial intelligence, computer vision applications as well. Uh, supporting those. Um, the University of Florida courses uh, over in the College of Engineering, one being in uh, Computer and Information Sciences Engineering, CISE, CISE, their user experience design class, senior class has a couple of teams, and then Industrial and Systems Engineering, or ISE, their senior class uh, project has two teams working with LPRC on high-value um, projects. Excited to work with them always. The SOC Lab uh, heavy planning continues, well, including this week on um, taking SOC Lab to the next level. Uh, hopefully it looks like with JCI, Johnson Controls International support. Um, the working groups are, are well underway, uh, violent crime, supply chain protection, uh, innovation, uh, the uh, retail fraud, which is inside and, and uh, online fraud. We've got product protection, organized retail crime working group, and finally dog or data analytics working group. So all seven working groups humming along, um, added some new leaders um, and have projects identified. Uh, Safer Places Lab continues again with some of the robotics from ISC, US ISC team led by Dr. Hu and his five PhD students. Um, save unpacked, setting up the computers and getting ready to interface uh, some smart machine or uh, mobile robotics um, with other countermeasures in our engagement lab at the LPRC, which is a simulated store environment. Um, we'd encourage you to go on to lpresearch.org and check out so much of these things. So let me, with no further ado, uh, I'm going to go over to Tony D, Tony D'Onofrio, and Tony, take it away. Thank you very much, uh, Reed. So let me uh, first comment exactly what you said in terms of the prosecutor role, my new CEO role that I just started. So I'm excited by it. Uh, it's back. It's good to be back in the LP game. I see an opportunity actually for mutual growth uh, from this. And I'm going to leverage a lot of the knowledge picked up here at the LPRC. So I think it's just a building of uh, past experiences into a new next adventure. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, secondly, I actually want to congratulate this team on this podcast. Uh, we didn't even talk about it last week, but we crossed over our 40th episode, and that's really a great milestone. So 
my appreciation to our producer, Kevin Tran, and to my co-host. That's a nice, uh, really milestone to reach. And I'm looking, we're looking forward to record a lot more of these. And then, Reed, be, before I jump into the retail update, to add what you were saying in terms of the discussions that retailers are having, uh, one of the LPRC members actually is working with uh, uh, a major retailer in embedding security technology inside the refrigerator to protect them. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. Really, you need to stay in touch with what's going on with LPRC because you'll be ahead of the game. So let me switch now to an update in terms of what's going on in the retail industry. And there's a lot of focus right now in terms of uh, continued projection. So this is Deloitte's. 2021 retail industry outlook. So uh, first of all, they listed the retail investment priorities for 2021, according to C-suite executives. And they are number one, digital acceleration, 88%, supply chain resilience, 78%, health and safety tied at 78% and realign the cost structure at 72%. Uh, Deloitte then goes into details on each of these. So on digital acceleration, the key trends they see or strategy is that retailers should adopt is to create connections and convenience to the right portfolio, portfolio of digital assets, derive the full potential of your data and predict and react more quickly, meet shoppers' privacy concern with clarity and transparency, seek out digital savvy talent, then on the next one, supply chain re resiliency, they talk about winning at the last mile means moving beyond the doorstep, fortify every link in your supply chain, drive decision to the consumer, closer to the consumer, and then put uh, more resiliency measurements in terms of how your supply chain is doing. In terms of safety and building trust through health and safety, infuse health and safety throughout the operations, embrace technology and redesign the retail journey. And then finally, in terms of uh, cost realignment, focus on the profitability, which may require new business models and alliances. That's Deloitte. Uh, this was interesting. It actually was from Bain, and this one is really more targeted to, at our listeners, our solution providers. They had an interesting infographic that talked about what happens when you fall behind. So why tech companies must quickly evolve to stay in the game. Technology leaders can easily be knocked off their leadership and recovery after that happens is difficult. In their study, uh, Bain found that 55% of technology companies underperformed for three or more years between 1996 and 2018. Once you fall behind, and they actually show some charts on this, so I would encourage, I actually, published that today, today, Tuesday, that infographic. Once a technology company trails its sector for three or more years, the chances of turning things around are very low. And they recommend two key uh, strategies for successful transformation. One is win a platform battle to create and maintain value, and then boost growth by repositioning the core business or extending capabilities in the new domain. So that was interesting, especially for our solution provider. From uh, total retail this week, the top trends for 2021, the, the future of retail, they see these four trends into uh, 2021. Subscription for recurring revenue, and I agree with that. You'll see a lot more 
subscription services coming out of retail, flexible payment options, enhanced loyalty across channels, and rewriting the rules of retail. And then finally, from Retail Dive, uh, nine retail trends to watch in 2021. The pandemic will forever alter the brick and mortar landscape. The calling of the week uh, retailers will continue for the year. Uh, the generous giants will try to consolidate their 2020 gains. The distinction between direct-to-consumer retailer and traditional retailers will continue to blur. Some uh, pandemic pivots may not stick. The pandemic boom will continue, but so will the challenges. Apparel will attempt to bounce back or at least not bleed out more. Consumer will be stuck, and that's a problem for retailers. And then finally, new owners take the center stage. And by that, they mean Simon Property, for example, investing in actual retailers that they actually have inside their mall. So retail is changing, accelerated by the pandemic. So with that, I'm going to turn over to Tom. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Reed. Uh, just a, a couple of brief updates. And uh, one is... Uh, to remind everybody who is a member to, if you can participate in the Fusion Network, uh, the Fusion Net is uh, kind of our virtual special operations command center. And uh, we've had a, several calls. We had one last week, one yesterday, and we have one today at 6.30 p.m. Eastern uh, to really talk about the risk and some of the things that centered around the inauguration. Um, I know Brosnan Risk Consulting uh, provided us with a a great intelligence report that is available to the members. Uh, and we'll talk about that tonight. And uh, as, as we probably know, just by reading the paper, listening to the news, there have been uh, statements made by the FBI as, as the magnitude of the potential violent threats and civil disruptions throughout the country. Um, you know, in, in almost every um, jurisdiction, there's some level of chatter or threat around it. Um, there are obviously some hotbeds that have continued to plague um, retailers, businesses, and just the folks that live there uh, over the last few months. And we continue to believe that those will be challenging. So the Denver, the Portland market, the Philadelphia market. Um, I don't like you know some of the places where I have struggled throughout um, this process continue to have uh, some heightened awareness. And what the call is, is really discuss how retailers are responding to it, whether they're closing, boarding up, uh, using extra security, and really to share intelligence. Uh, we also have a platform that we use, so really great information. And it's not just about the inauguration. It, it really is about anything that you would want to uh, gather information or intelligence about using this tool to do so. So uh, stay tuned for more information there. And then I just have two brief updates, one which is kind of Actually, they're both kind of repetitive from uh, last week's. Uh, we had talked uh, about to uh, a couple of times here to be mindful of online scams related to COVID vac uh, COVID nineteen vaccines, and uh, officially uh, there are several websites that are actually out and about today posing as uh, and this is really somewhat alarming posing as state uh, sites or sponsored state, state sites. Um, I actually did see two of them. They look really good. Uh, where they're asking people to purchase uh, you know, fake uh, vaccines. And um, the, interestingly enough, some of these are poised to get people to pay and, and don't deliver. And then some people actually deliver a counterfeit vaccine. So um, something to really uh, continue to watch with the COVID-19 vaccination struggles with some of the distribution challenges. 
uh, as we always talk about it, nefarious actors will continue to take advantage of that. And then, you know, just uh, two other, you know, two other points of, of note here related to uh, COVID-19 is there continues to be a, an uptick in misinformation spread throughout the internet. And again, uh, a lot of these websites are generally designed to gather information, registration for early vaccine, registration for other things. So just, again, be very mindful of understanding the source of information and uh, really what's going on uh, to run through. And then on the flip side, something that's important to note is that the states are, in fact, uh, legitimately using websites to register vaccines. So uh, by no means am I suggesting that you don't register for vaccines or don't go to your states. Just take that extra special few minutes to make sure that it is actually your state that you're on and not just a lookalike website. And then uh, just to real quickly, we, we continue to see some of uh, the data breaches and cybersecurity incidents throughout the globe. Um, I, I, I still believe, tend to believe that a lot of this is exasperated by the, the COVID-19 events uh, that occur and some of the distractions that lay through there. But um, it's, it's ultra important, not that it, it, this will ever change for me, is to stay vigilant and pay attention to uh, emails that you're not expecting, emails that are not from folks from these phishing scams are um, much, much more elaborate and involved than they are today. And then uh, we continue to see in that same front uh, folks taking advantage of remote learning and you know trying to harness some of the same tools around children that are using computers to uh, go to school virtually. So everyone stay safe, and I'm sure next week we'll have a lot more to talk about around, around the inauguration. Over to you, Reed. Over to you, Reed. Thanks so much, Tom. Yes, I mean, it's we, we believe uh, pretty strongly. I imagine everybody would agree in some form that um, this is not unique. We've had um, just incidents, rioting, looting, uh, massive organized retail crime cases that have come together, um, violent shoplifting events, armed robberies, and things that continue to spike um, through time. But we all know that 2020 was pretty special as far as the number of, uh, of horrific uh, events where they were hijacked and, and uh, area, vast areas were burned and looted. Uh, and a lot of people's jobs were further, were lost or their reemployment set back because of that, including what's happened in Washington, D.C. So um, because of the, the nonstop effects of all of this behavior, on these retail environments, which is our primary focus as far as uh, trying to help, you know, pr better protect these people and places in these environments. Um, you know, you'll see this uh, emphasis on what Tom was talking about on FusionNet, uh, an emphasis on our SOC lab. How do we get better and better at handling within the enterprise, um, the preparation, the um, alert and understanding um, of events and handling them in a better way um, and then finally recovering more rapidly from that <clears throat> and, and lessons learned and continuing the cycle. Um, so that's what SOC Lab is all about. And we're really excited to take it to the next level. It's been about four years in process um, with some great people that run EOCs and SOC Labs around the country um, from lead, leading retail chains and government entities. So um, we're excited about that. So let me do this. Let me just say thank you all for tuning in. Please stay safe out there. I want to thank Kevin Tran, our producer, you know, Tom Meehan and Tony D'Onofrio 
and uh, for all their expertise and taking their precious time to to put this information to you all. And any and all suggestions that you have for this podcast or anything else LPRC, please send it to uh, operations at lpresearch.org. Everybody stay safe. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.